what's good, everybody? Welcome to Unfair Sports, where we take a offensive approach to the sports conversation. I am your host, Jay, with your favorite co-host, Jimmy, coming to you from remote, wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to, and YouTube. While you're there, please like, subscribe, rate us, review us, and give us five stars. You think we deserve it? And just give us five anyway. Gifted. So on this episode of Unfair Sports, we're going to dive really deep into AFC and the NFC championships. There was retirements and then unretirements. We've got questions about quarterbacks. We've got questions about teams that got eliminated. You know, all that good stuff. So hit us up on the Unfair Fan Line, 430-901-1906, and let us know what you think of the show. Give us your strong opinions and let us know how much you hate Jimmy's opinions and how much love you me. love mine, how we much hate you me. hate my opinions and how much you we love his. Whichever love one me. it is, go ahead and give it to us. 430-801-1906. Yeah, seeing Jimmy's face here, man, distance is uh, a little weird. Working hard. It's been on a day like today. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, damn. Master Kansas Jayhawk. What's going on? What it do, bae? B. Oh, wait. I'm a Kansas Jayhawk now? Didn't. Yeah, you, I, I, you can't be naming me after losers. Well, did they lose? They lose in the, uh, in the, uh, in the SEC uh, Big 12 uh, 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 challenge. Did they lose? I don't know. I was tied up while that was that going was on. So this I, weekend. Know. I watched portions. I got to see a little bit of. I'm going to go ahead and check real quick. I watched mm-hmm. portions of the Louisville game, which was pretty and good um i didn't get to see tennessee versus texas and texas ended up pulling it out which of course breaks my heart it's time for me to start really getting into college basketball though um i got something special to talk about too a little bit later um i got a contest i'm putting together with a partner at uh best bet 55 uh ratings uh Uh application you can download you can join me you can bet against me and if you think that you are better than me you can win some prizes. So I'll have some weekly giveaways and stuff for the listeners that do participate. So you'll follow me, check social medias. I'll have all the links and all the information on that details to come. But Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah. We got to talk about it. Okay. Talk about, right. Yes. And you know, one of the things that we pride ourselves on being are counselors for the uh the sports world for fans we try to help you to be reasonable whenever things don't go well for your team we offer you consolation as well as reality-based criticism but uh today uh, i'm in a bit of pain here so i'm probably going to need you all to help me out through this. we're going to help jimmy today basically what we have to do we have to give him the therapy um even though honestly he really doesn't need it because this was a quite overachieving season. And speaking of which, yes, Kansas mm. got throttled by Kentucky 80 to 62. <laughs> so you did hit me with two teams at, uh, in, in Kansas that did lose with Kansas in the name. Mm-hmm. The first one we'll talk about is these 49ers losing to the Los Angeles Rams 20 to 17 on a final play that only Jimmy Garoppolo could do. Mm-hmm. Jimmy G did everything we expected. Um, Jimmy, I don't know if you saw the, I guess we could call it beef that was out there between Jeff Garcia and Mina Kimes. Uh, Mina Kimes is ESPN. She does NFL Live. She's fantastic. She understands mm. the game. She can break it down. She knows coverages. She knows all, all that stuff. I listen to her to learn something nerdy on a regular basis because she nerds out. 
And Jeff Garcia got mad at her because she basically said that the same thing everybody else has said. Jimmy, you have in a way said this as well, that Jimmy G is basically the, the student in class that is in the group project, does absolutely nothing and gets an A. Mm-hmm. That's who Jimmy G is. Um, he's also the one that will do something that will lead you to an F because he forgets to bring the one thing that's critical. The one He had one assignment. You had one job. He had one job. And they do a fantastic job of ruining it. So the Niners lost. Um, Jimmy G looked like himself. And like I say, it was a Jimmy Estique way of throwing an interception while falling to prevent himself from getting sacked with like a minute and a few seconds left in the game. So Jimmy... I'm going to ask you this question first because we do need to do the therapy session. I think it's only okay. fair. We did this for me. We'll do this for you. Okay. How do you feel about your Niners season? Um, in a way, you sort of prefaced how I feel about it. You mentioned overachieving. And I think that this Niners team did overachieve. And whenever we see a team like this, whether it's through the regular season or through the playoffs, eventually that overachieving comes to an end. They overachieved in their last game of the season against these same Rams in order to get into the playoffs coming back from, I think, 17 down, something like that, mm-hmm. and against a team that has a decidedly better roster. So then your first-round opponent is the Cowboys. We talked about that extensively. The Cowboys are a more talented team. By some metrics, a better team, and they found a way to overachieve and win that game. Exact same thing with the Green Bay Packers, the number one seed in the NFC. Obviously, we're a better team than them. And it came to an end in this game. So part of me is in pain because, like anyone else, I did want to see my team with an opportunity. And these opportunities in conference championship games don't always come around. Your team could get there one one year and not get back for 30 years. You never know. So, yes, I was hoping that they would win. But I was very proud of what I saw out of the Rams, out of Matthew Stafford, and to some degree OBJ as they continue to rewrite their narrative into the Super Bowl. Um, I was happy for that defense and Aaron Donald, who he was a huge part of the reason why they won, not just what he did on the field in that fourth quarter, but because of how he lit into his defensive line and how they played lights out in that fourth quarter. That's what a leader does. So I'm happy for him. I'm happy for McVay because, in a way, (laughs) I hate seeing any team – get beat over and over and over again no matter what they do by the same team and I'm a a fan of Sean McVay so in that sense I was happy for them the Rams were better they came through in the clutch when it mattered the most they had the I won't say heart both teams played with heart but they had more discipline in certain areas in that fourth quarter they didn't beat themselves like the 49ers did and as I mentioned last week as I mentioned last week you know my late father was a Rams fan so for his sake in a sense it's good to see his team get back to a Super Bowl, in a sense, Mm. carbon copying your Tampa Bay Buccaneers to play the game in their home stadium, um, you know, which obviously is a monumental advantage. So part of me is hurting, but part of me is proud of the Rams and how they played. And I definitely look forward to what we're going to see from them in the Super Bowl. I do appreciate your optimism around that and just the eloquent way that you gave them props. See, I I got a different perspective behind that. Okay. Yes, the 49ers gave that game away in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. Jimmy G tried to give the game away. Matt Stafford tried to give the game away. 
this was a bad game for both of them. I mean, Matt Stafford did, of course, 31-45, 337, two touchdowns, a pick at the goal line, by the way. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy G's won 16 for 30, 232, two touchdowns and a pick. So looking at those numbers, those base numbers, it doesn't look that bad, right? Right. It's one of those situations. I had a conversation with a buddy of mine, and he's oh, he's been listening to the pod. He appreciates us. And one of the things we kind of t- he he told me is that he's starting to look at the game in a more pensive way. He's really thinking about and understanding the true nuances of the game because of you know the way we converse. Now, not to say that we're mm-hmm. just so excellent at all of that, but at the same time, we try to be more thoughtful with what we do, which is the whole mm-hmm. mantra of this show. And that's where you have to watch the game. Got to watch the tape and understand exactly what's happening. Jimmy G tried to give the, the Rams this game. He threw the ball damn near to Jalen Ramsey like two times. Mm. Like, I, I, I'm i still baffled the second time where it looked like Ramsey had a pick six and he, you know, dropped it because he jumped the route. Jimmy G basically scrambles right, taps the ball, looks at the receiver. I can't remember if it was Debo Samuel or Ayuk. It was one of the two, but he eyeballs him. It was Ayuk. So Ramsey stopped. Who was it? Ayuk. It was Ayuk. So. Mm. Ramsey stops his defense of Juwan Jennings and runs right at Ayuk. If Jimmy G would have been thinking, Juwan Jennings was wide open deep. Mm-hmm. He was wide open because Ramsey jumped the route. And this was before he threw it. Ramsey basically stopped and did this. He knows where it's going. So if he could have tapped it and went, that would been touchdown. Mm-hmm. Where did he get that from? Jimmy Garoppolo, we got him flicking the ball behind him. Mina Combs was right. I'm sorry. You can you can crucify me all you want and say what you want to. Jeff Garcia, which is even funnier that Jeff Garcia turned turned his Instagram account private right after that game because everybody <laughs> basically looked at him and said, please, yeah. sir, explain to us where Jimmy Garoppolo was good because nothing about that game was good. That touch, those two touchdowns he threw weren't on him. It was the runners. Now, Catch and run. Well, so the name of the show is is unfair, and I think you're being very unfair to Jimmy Garoppolo oh, right I now. Am? Yeah, you are. I am? You're being very unfair to him. Yeah, okay. and I've I've seen this in I've listened to a, a few shows today. I rarely do that on a day we record because I like to keep my mind clear. But I wanted to hear a few things about what other people were saying about that particular game and the other game that we'll get into later. Um, but when it comes down to you know, obviously Mina Kimes and Jeff Garcia represent two classes of individual when it comes to the polarizing perspectives that yes. Jimmy G creates in others. Jeff Garcia is a bit extreme, but I think Mina Kimes, well, for one, Jeff Garcia was wrong with the personal attacks that he levied against Mina Kimes. That was totally unfair. A lot of people don't like that, and they're absolutely correct. He was wrong for that. But extreme in the sense of making apologies and making excuses for Jimmy G, not seeing reality. And Mina Kimes, in a way, her, a lot of her analysis of Jimmy G is on point, but I think she's going a bit too extreme as well because part of what one can do with her analysis is walk away from that if you don't know Jimmy G very well, thinking that he's a terrible quarterback, and he's not. I mean, his record shows that, yes, he's a, he is a winning quarterback. There are a lot of reasons on this San Francisco team why he wins games, but both sides are too extreme. This game is a perfect example of that. The first three quarters... Jimmy G was playing a really good game. He had no interceptions at that point, had his two touchdown passes, and I think was already over 230 yards. That's more what Jeff Garcia was talking about. But in that fourth quarter, 
that's more what Mina Kimes was talking about in the sense of when you can't run the ball, when they know you have to pass, and it is completely on you to lead this team, you cannot do it. You cannot rise above a first three quarters game manager leading to that pick, which was the sort of the perfect cherry on top of, in a sense, what we know Jimmy G to do. G stands for giving you a chance because he always does. And he did it in that instance in a most horrible, panicked fashion. That's more what Mina Combs was talking about. So it's like they're both right, combined. That is what Jimmy G is. It's just they fall into two extremes and they keep going. And then other people follow them down those paths. So when he tried to hand the Cowboys that game, we basically said, luckily, they're the Cowboys. <laughs> they're, they're not going to take it. Uh, uh-huh. They're going to run a draw with 13 seconds left in the game and not be able to actually call timeout. <laughs> Cowboys when, tried Cowboys. To give, when he tried to give the game to the Packers, they weren't yep. going to take it because Aaron Rodgers sucks at home in the playoffs. He has mm. proven he's not good in the playoffs at home. The Rams decided that they were going to take it because yes. they gave it to him. So this was to me, I, I'm sorry. There's a reason why the 49ers drafted a quarterback that's a project with a number three pick mm-hmm. and used all those picks to get him. Mm-hmm. It's because Jimmy G is not a good quarterback. Yes, his record shows that he is good. He also was quarterbacking for the Patriots when Tom Brady was out. And then when Sean, when uh, Kyle Shanahan got him, he used a power run offense that led them to the Super Bowl. We've shown, we've seen where a coach can carry a quarterback to a Super Bowl. The Rams did it with Jared Goff. And we said this before the season started, when the trade was made, when the details came out, that the Rams don't make it back to the Super Bowl. It's only one reason. Matthew Stafford. And this leads me into talking about him. Did you see that Matt Stafford tried to give that game right back to you guys? He tried to hand it right back. And it's funny because a couple plays later, they ran a screenplay, and you saw McVay look at him and say, my bad. Yeah. You know why he said it, my bad, right? Well, well, for one, it was on third down. That's not the right play to run on third down, yeah. But you know why he said, my bad, right? Why? Let me tell y'all why he said, my bad. He doesn't trust Matt Stafford either. And so he decides to run a screen pass with a quarterback with a rocket arm. On third down, about four plays, roughly four plays after Stafford threw it down the middle and came up short by like five yards. And the safety for the 49ers, who could have just won that game, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Uh, Jabrisky Tart. There you go. He had it right Mm -hmm. here, just right there in them hands. And he dropped Mm -hmm. it. And I know he cried post-game. I know he cried in his locker. I know he cried when he got home. Because that play ends the game. Because after that, that's when the drive happened and Cooper Cup started to do what Cooper Cup does and scores a touchdown. But if he would have done that, that was game. Game, set, match. Uh, I don't agree. I don't agree. I don't agree. Because at that point in the game, it was 17-14. With the way that both sides have been playing, I still think the Rams would have won that game. They might have had to take it into overtime because essentially that pick would have stopped the drive that netted them three points. So let's say you take those three points off, 17-17 going into overtime. So I can't say that Tart lost the game. You know, I was on Twitter. I was looking at a few things. Um, The comments from 49ers fans were, most of them, as you would think that they are, I mean, the sky's falling and just cursing everybody out. It was bad. 
but they did not necessarily lose that game because of him. That would have helped increase their odds of winning, but I don't think they lost the game because of him. Now, you're still being unfair, Jay. Not saying you're he lost unfair. the game because of him, but that would have sealed it. I think that would have called that would because like, no, everybody that believes in momentum would have said that the momentum has shifted, and now it's. There was too much time left. There was too much time left. I don't think in that fourth quarter there was going to be anything the 49ers were going to do to beat that Rams team. The Rams were finally where they needed to be, and I don't think that the 49ers were ever going to be able to overcome that, primarily because they haven't been able to run the ball the entire game. But you're still being unfair to Jimmy G and Matthew Stafford. You're saying that Jimmy G is not a good quarterback. He is. That's essentially all he is. And you're saying that Sean McVay didn't trust Matthew Stafford when he let him throw the ball 46 times. And Matthew Stafford's arm is a big part of the reason why they were able to overcome the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who probably should have won that game. Yes, the fumbles, the four fumbles almost gave the game back to the Buccaneers. But I don't see that. I don't see Jimmy G because if you're saying he's not a good quarterback, you may as well say he's a bad quarterback. I don't see that in a quarterback whose team will run through a wall for him and has gotten the two NFC championships. I don't see that. And I don't see this in Matthew Stafford that he doesn't trust. McVay trusts that Matthew Stafford is going to Stafford and that he's going to let him be Matthew, but that he's going to give the other team one to two opportunities a game to take the ball from them. But he's willing to live with that. So I, I'm not I'm not seeing fairness in what you're saying. It's okay. I mean, you don't have to, but I'll put it like this. If they don't win the Super Bowl, it's because of Matt Stafford. It's not because of anybody else. Uh, Cincinnati's defense, and we're going to talk about them in a minute, but my mm-hmm. point, my entire point behind both of those two is that I'm glad Stafford finally got there. I guess I can give him his kudos on that, but he did ride it mm-hmm. on the coattail of McVay because he's been there before with Jared Goff. If they do not win it, it will be because of him, not because of anybody else. And on the, Jerry, on the, on the Jimmy G thing, when he's gone mm. from San Francisco, I hope <laughs> good luck to him trying to find a job as a starter anywhere because he you will know, not and, start in this league again. But, you know, and what's funny about that is now that I do somewhat agree with, because I thought in that fourth quarter, every other team is watching this game in that fourth quarter, that the way he performed is going to scare quite a few people away from bringing him in. Now, there are certain franchises like, for instance. If he had dreams of being a Steeler or a Bronco after this game, he can get rid of those feelings because they're not going to put their hopes and dreams on him when they have much of what they need in order to at least get to the playoffs. So if they are able to trade Jimmy G or if they choose to, it's going to have to be to maybe one of the bottom tier teams. Maybe they use him as sort of a bridge until they can get a quarterback, a young quarterback that they really want. That's essentially what I think he played himself into. I don't know how you feel about – well, you probably – well, you don't think he's a good quarterback, so you probably already thought that he wasn't going to get with a really good franchise who's a quarterback away, right? No, not at all. Well, well, yeah. That's the thing about it is the 49ers are a quarterback away. Yeah. <laughs> so who else is going to be able to use him if they're a quarterback away from going to the – they're literally a quarterback away from going to Super Bowl, Jimmy. Mm. If they had an actual pass offense that was a threat, the run game would have stayed effective. But Kyle Shanahan mm-hmm. knows he cannot trust his quarterback. And mm-hmm. y'all can defend him all y'all want to. I ain't. Now, see, now that I can defend. When you say that he doesn't trust him, I can defend that because that Jimmy Garoppolo throughout the, season, throughout the season rarely threw a pass over 15 yards. In Trey Lance's start against Houston, he threw a 45-yard bomb to Debo Samuel for a touchdown. So that is fair. I can agree that he does not trust him to and, push the ball down the field. And typically you – don't trust quarterbacks that aren't good. So, in other words, Kyle Shanahan sees this quarterback and says, I need you to do one thing. Don't turn the ball over. 
And instead of doing that, he tried to give the ball to the Rams on numerous occasions with bad passes that he got lucky, didn't get picked off until he did the flicker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and basically sealed the deal for the Rams Super Bowl. But well, I mean, well, Jay, isn't trust situational with coaches in the sense of I can trust this? It doesn't have to be a quarterback. I can trust this particular player in these situations to do these things, and then in other situations, I cannot trust him to do that. So it's like it's more of a compartmentalized trust, right? I mean, yeah, I can see that. But at the same so, time, yeah. if you just ain't good. You just, but he, no, he's good. He's good at certain things. But I mean, and they're like the great quarterbacks when it comes is to trust. Though? Those are the ones that you can trust. Is he yes, though? he is a good quarterback. Yes. Is he though? He's not one of he's okay. 32 he? starting quarterbacks in the league. All right. What's the yeah. cutoff? As far as listen, 32 starting quarterbacks in the league. What number would you say is the cutoff between good and not good to bad after that? Is it quarterback 16 and down, quarterback 18 and down? What is it for you? Jimmy Garoppolo and down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being unrealistic here. I am being unfair on that. But no, I. There are a lot of people who agree with you, Jay. I, I know. He, agree with he you. shows us every. It's, he always gives this to us. Like, and we'll talk about them in the next game. Yeah. But he, he, it, it, this is just, it's poetic justice, man. It just happens every single time. Like, I'm waiting for Matt Stafford to ruin this for the Rams. I'm just waiting for it. And I really hope he doesn't do this to Aaron Donald and him uh-huh. here in the Super Bowl. But I'm just waiting for Matt Stafford to lose the game for them. Like, I told you, Boise Z hit me up and was like, hey, man. Because for the last 13 years, everybody's trying to tell us that Matt Stafford is just, he's so close. He could do it. He could do it. He could do it. And then mm-hmm. when he had that streak this season where he kept throwing pick sixes, he was like, hey, man, this dude's questionable. He's not, he's good. But he ain't enough. He might not be enough because he keeps doing stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll see if that happens with Cincinnati. But we do this every Monday here on Unfair Sports. Jimmy decides to give us the news. And now Jimmy has the news. Ah, uh, thank you, Wendy. All right, so Jay, have I mentioned to you how big of a fan of Monty Williams I am? And I, and I think you are too. The yeah, coach yeah, of the yeah. Sun. Yeah, well, um, it was announced yesterday that Monty Williams of the Suns is going to coach uh, Team LeBron James at next month's All-Star Game in Cleveland um, with their 115-110 win over the Spurs on Sunday night. Their 10th straight win, by the way, that essentially locked up the best record in the West for the Suns uh, through February 6th, which is the cutoff. So right now we don't know who the Eastern Conference coach is going to be, or I'm sorry, of Team Durant. But uh, Monty Williams of the Suns is going to coach Team LeBron's All-Star team. That's dope. Monty out here doing it, man. I'm proud. I'm happy to see it. He was you know, an assistant here, and he had the tragedy that happened in OKC. But I'm, I'm so glad to see that he's uh, he's back winning. I heard that he's a great guy. Everyone loves him. Everyone just reveres him in the league. So I am very excited to see him get that uh, opportunity to coach those uh, all-stars. Mm-hmm. So like percentage chance that the Suns win the championship this year, I mean, with the best record in basketball, with the team to run it back to get back to the finals, what percentage chance do you give them to win the NBA uh, final? I give them about 25%. I got to be realistic. Mm-hmm. 25%? Woo, okay. I give them about mm, 60. I know the Warriors are going to be there, and, you know, you could end up running to the Nets. They're fully healthy. Or the Bucks. But um, I give them a better chance than that. So we'll see. We'll see. All right, uh, oh, that's that's one of the highest of the highs from the weekend. Now one of the lowest of the lows for Oklahoma City Thunder fans, and that is that Shea Gilgis-Alexander 
uh, is going to be sidelined through the All-Star break and potentially beyond with a sprained ankle uh, that he suffered in their loss to the Indiana Pacers on Friday night, 113-110 in overtime. And, um, Jay, I've got a theory about this because I feel like this exact same thing happened last year where SGA got hurt for some weeks, came back, got nicked up again, and they they sat him, and that was to the acceleration of the tankathon for for the Thunder in order to get a higher pick. Do you think that exact same thing is going to happen? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what's happening. I'm, I'm not even going to deny that they're trying to tank to get another top pick another top opportunity to get another transcendent player to go with Giddy and SGA and build your franchise there. To be honest, they've already got their foundation. They just need one more generational talent to grow mm -hmm. with all of them. And I think that they'll be ready to start making playoff runs. And what position would you say? It don't matter. It's positionless basketball the way they play. I mean, Giddy's tall, SGA's tall, uh, Baisley's tall. Uh, Poku's tall. I mean, Dorch the shortest one, and he's just a, a stout defender. So they're kind mm. of primed to add anything at this point. Mm. Okay. So, you know, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see which direction they go Close in. Close to the mic. Um, yeah. All right. So lastly, um, you probably haven't been paying attention to the MVP race in the NBA, and that usually gets discussion throughout the year. So I know that Steph Curry's had his opportunity, or people have talked about him. Nikola Jokic, Giannis, etc. But now the 50 to one long shot to win the NBA, who's actually the favorite now, um, started out as a long shot, is Joel Embiid of the Ooh. Philadelphia 76ers. Um, he listed at 50 to one on January 6th. He's now moved up to uh, something much higher than that, and now he's the odds-on favorite to win the MVP. Yeah, I saw him at plus 260 now, so he is the odds favorite to win it. He's having a great year. I gotta, I gotta give him that. Um, do I see him winning it? No, he has to sustain that. And so he has a history of injury. You can't deny that. And because of that, I'm not confident that he will finish the season healthy. Not to say he's going to get hurt, but he may end up having to sit a few games just for precautions to prepare for the playoffs. If he can stay healthy throughout it, hell yeah, he has a great chance of winning it. You know, it's funny. I was having a, a discussion with this uh, YouTuber who's NBA 2K videos I watch, and we had this discussion. I said that if Joel Embiid can, hey, let me obviously help this one thing, but if they can get a top four seed amidst all the drama that they've dealt with with Ben Simmons, again, this is a narrative award. I yes. think the top four seed in overcoming Ben Simmons with great stats like he's going to have could be just enough to edge him past some of the others because the, the writers, the voters, they're always looking for a new MVP. They hate crowning the same people over and over again. Yep. So I think he's definitely got an opportunity to get back in there and win his first MVP. That's awesome. Is that it? Yep. It's news. And that was Jimmy with the news. Thank you, Bob. All right, Jay. So we, we know there are two sides to every Super Bowl. There's an NFC championship that we just discussed, and there's an AFC championship. And this AFC championship was, to me, every bit as interesting as the NFC championship between the Bengals Ooh, and the Chiefs. The Bengals went up went up 21 to 3 at halftime. Game was the over. Bengals had 18. Yeah, game was over. 18 straight points from the Bengals coming out of halftime in um in pursuit of a 27 to 24 victory over the reigning. AFC champs, Kansas City Chiefs, denying them a third straight appearance in the Super Bowl. And Joe Burrow and the boys are headed to L.A. for that Super Bowl. Um, Wow. 
I don't even know what to say about this game. But for one, did you entertain the possibility that the Bengals could actually go into Arrowhead, perhaps the loudest stadium in football, and find a way to win this game? Not even just no, but hell no. I didn't see this coming at all. And I'm happy to see we've got the new blood. The future is bright in the NFL. We've got quarterbacks at just about every age and at every tier that's just blossoming and growing right in front of us. So we are in a fantastic Mm -hmm. era of excitement at the quarterback position when the quarterback position has become so hard to play. I mean, think about this, Jimmy. How many teams Mm -hmm. actually have a franchise quarterback they can rely on? Think about it. Less than 10. Less than 30, probably. That's the thing about it. There's so few franchise quarterbacks that have done enough to produce for you to be confident for any of these teams. I mean, going down the list of them, I mean, hell, I mean, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, he's a franchise quarterback, but he has a, he loses in the playoffs, like, a lot. That's it's it, A lot of it's going mm-hmm. on to him as mm-hmm. much as it is the coaching staff. But going down the list, it's tough to find those. I mean, Mahomes is one of those. He's gone to, what's this, four straight AFC championships. First time, what, since the Bills did uh-huh. it when he went to the Super Bowl four times? Um, yeah, yeah. It, I mean – Tom Brady was goes on a regular basis and he he's consistent one you know mm-hmm. he has seven rings you don't have this very often Russell Wilson only has two tr- times he's traveled uh we ain't got we got Josh Allen once Lamar Jackson what once mm-hmm. you know uh well actually we haven't got Jalar- mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson there yet so we've got a plethora of these players that all we got to do is sit back, relax, and enjoy what we have. So Joey Burrow walks in there basically with the mink on and the big chain. <laughs> Please believe those diamonds is real. He make too much money for them to be fake. Make too much money That's for a quote of him, not of me. <laughs> quote him for that. When I saw that picture, I said, the man's a savage. Bengals in 13. <laughs> I was wrong. It was Bengals in three, but I was close. <laughs> but I saw that. But the biggest thing here is, Jimmy, we need to, we, there's a discussion that needs to be had. So my buddy hit me up um, and gave me, posed the question to me and said, use it on the show. You know, you could definitely steal this. We have to ask before I, I, let me, let me set the stage. First half, Patrick Mahomes was 18 for 21, 223 touchdowns. Yeah, he figured out the Bengals. They knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. They were cooking them. Second half, eight for 18, 55 yards, zero touchdowns, Mm -hmm. two picks. Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Is Patrick Mahomes the new Russell Wilson? <laughs> Once he got his money, what did we start seeing? Uh huh. We started seeing um, start seeing flaws in the design yep. of his and game, and then you also start seeing uh, the, the inability to fill the backfield certain players injuries and stuff like that you start to lose out on additional talent because all your money's tied into your quarterback hence why the patriots and they they used to convince tom brady not to take the full Uh salary he could take because they knew that the only way to field a roster that was going to be good enough to keep them um, competitors every Mm. year that he had to be cheap Mm. kansas city won their ring with him as a young as a as a cheap quarterback cincinnati might win a Super Bowl with their quarterback being on the cheap contract. Is he now Russell Wilson mm-hmm. where he's got his money? They can't put – and they're not going to be able to keep everybody. And they're going to keep everything around him or keep the right complementary players mm-hmm. around him, and he may fall into oblivion. Well, you know, 
this reminds me of, of a solo show I did. You know, we've been doing this since August of 2017, so this might have been around 2018. I think this actually might have been the around the time that it was either when Russell Wilson got his last contract or yep. Aaron Rodgers. And I said, I said some of those exact same things, how difficult it is for an organization to keep a roster around a great quarterback that can constantly keep you in these conference championship games and beyond. So I came to this conclusion then, and I'm still coming to this conclusion right now because it matches what you're saying. And that is any of these quarterbacks, no matter how great they are, from Justin Herbert to Joe Burrow, if you take a, a, a contract, if you, if you are the next guy to take the biggest contract a quarterback has ever gotten, you simultaneously give up on trying to win as many or more Super Bowls than Tom Brady. Since, like you said, he routinely took less money in order to help, at least in order to keep a good offensive line in front of him, which is part of the reason why he's been able to play the game since he's to right. 74 years old. For that very reason, he constantly took less money. So these young quarterbacks, I know that that's the thing, that you're getting this contract because you deserve it. If the market gives it to you, that means you deserve it. But you are exactly right that this is going to be part of what Patrick Mahomes is going to have to continuously overcome because he's going to start losing more of these players because the team won't be able to afford him because of his contract. I don't think that that's the case right now, so I guess I can't say He's the next Russell Wilson because he still has his main guys on offense and on defense. Kelsey was still out there. Tyreek Hill was still out there. You have a young Clyde Edwards Hilaire, even though they ran Jarek McKinnon more. They rebuilt the offensive line, which was good. It was, it's going to be better, especially with Creed yeah. Humphreys at the anchor. You still have Chris Jones. You still have the Honey Badger. So it really hasn't hit him yet as far as what he's going to be dealing with. And that is going to become even more difficult for him to get back to these championship games in his conference for that reason. So, no, not yet, but in a year or two, he might. That might be true then that he's yeah, the next I Russell think Wilson. I, I kind of find this as a true statement. Russell Wilson cooks when he gets cooking. It seems like the Seahawks start to slowly deteriorate and go down. Decisions get made that shouldn't be made, mm -hmm. and they start losing. Hence, why this season kind of went went uh, downhill for them. It seems like that's what happened with the Chiefs this whole season is that they start the season off and Mahomes was just out there willy-nilly doing his thing. And we pointed out that it seems like the league had started to figure out Mahomes. Not that they have an answer to mm. completely stop him, but they mm. got him just being out of character than what he was the first couple seasons, first few seasons when he was really coming into his own. Mm. He was out there initially playing like something we had never seen before. He was poised. He was calm. He was mm. making methodical throws. He was doing some fancy stuff, but he knew that he had that, 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 that margin of error that he could beat. But then this season, he started to do a lot more that wasn't the Mahomes that we were used to. He started to be more risky. Mm. He started taking more chances. He saw his margin of error, even though he thought it was about this, he failed to realize that teams were watching for a lot of that stuff, and they started to jump on it, be prepared for it, cause problems. The secret to beating the Chiefs? Rush them with three or four. Force, them, force Patrick Mahomes mm. out the pocket Without blitzing, because then when he because he has it, he loves mm. to run backwards, and every time he ran backwards, mm. the Bengals got him. So we have to give them mad props defensively for making a change. I was reading um, uh, Barnwell's uh, column on the game 
from ESPN. I love uh, Bill Barnwell's breakdowns because he talks about the plays, the formations, etc. He talks about the way that the Bengals actually mounted the comeback. Let me tell you guys a little bit about what he said. So he pointed out that in the first half that they were doing the same thing that everybody else was doing in the league. He pointed that they were doing too high coverage, which means two safeties deep, trying to stop all the deep routes in hopes of making the the Chiefs beat them underneath. And so they did. (laughs) They basically beat them underneath. Every pass underneath is getting them with digs, is getting them with crossers. They were eating them alive with that. So Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and all them was just, it was, you know, burnt toast. Eli Apple, you know, became a celebrity as burnt toast. Then the second half came around. This is when they made a change. They switched from what everybody else in the league was doing for the beginning of the season to stop the Chiefs. They went to a one high, more of a robber setup. If you ever play Madden, you know the play robber. You have that one safety in the middle of the field, and you have a safety that's come down towards to handle the mid-range by himself, and he kind of lurks. And that's the defense Mm -hmm. that they ran. And it caused problems because the middle wasn't open, and they started rushing three. And their three was able to get pressure on that offensive line. That, to me, is what was wild. They were getting pressure on them without – they didn't blitz one time besides – one time they sent five guys on the rush, but besides that, they didn't blitz at all for the whole game, for the whole second half. That's a problem for Kansas City, which tells me that as good as Creed Humphreys is going to be as their anchor – as good as Brown is on that outside, if you can't feel those other spots, Mahomes is going to be scrambling for the rest of his life every season. So you got to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Who are you gonna, who are you not going to pay on that offense in order to make sure that Mahomes can get protection? Mm-hmm. And at that point, Mahomes is going to have to change the game. That's, what, that's the problem Russell Wilson had. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, a lot of thoughts <laughs> about that. Um, you know, in a way... I think the Cincinnati Bengals being able to beat this team, yes, it goes back to their victory against them, yes. what, three weeks ago, I'm three, four weeks way. ago. But it actually goes back It actually goes back to the Super Bowl. Here's the reason why. It's not just game plan. It's something else. So in that Super Bowl, your Buccaneers, they, you know, they rushed three or rushed four and had those two safeties there constantly, and that gave them fits. And a part of that was the offensive line issues that Kansas City Greener. had. So that was on the field game plan. Yeah, that was on the field game plan wise as far as something you could do in order to stifle the the Chiefs and it worked beautifully. But I think psychologically that had a greater effect mm. than what the game plan actually had because everybody else watching that game, you know what they walked away from that thinking? They walked away from that thinking, oh, there is a way to mm-hmm. slow this team down. We just have to find it or we have to execute it because up until that point, that was basically two years of nobody being able to stop the Chiefs. So then once they saw that game, they said, "Okay, there is a way to stop them. So then what happens next? Kansas City comes into the next season this year and they get off to a slow start. People are running that exact same defense until Kansas City decided to find creative ways to use what the defense was, was giving them underneath stuff. But I think Cincinnati, again, they, they took that into the game that they played against them three weeks ago, but then Cincinnati learned something else, and that is if Kansas City boat races you in the first half, that doesn't necessarily right. mean the game is over. You can figure some things out in half at halftime in order to completely shut them down in the second half. And then coming into this game yesterday, they did it once already. They saw what happened in the Super Bowl. They saw how Kansas City can be made to look. 
through that first seven games of the season where they're three and four. So they used all of that in order to produce a copy, in a sense, as far as how many points Kansas City was able to score, three, in the second half of this game. The only thing, Jay, I can't figure out that I'm curious about is did the Bengals at halftime diagnose, figure out, and change their game plan and adjust to what Kansas City was doing for that second half? Or did the Bengals already have a different second half game plan ready to go to use in that second half? Because you got to think, could anybody outside of maybe Belichick really take only 15 minutes during the halftime to completely diagnose what Kansas City was doing? Because Kansas City should have 24, maybe 28 points at the end of that first half. So what which, which do you think it probably is? They adjusted for those 15 to 20 minutes at halftime, or they already had a second game plan ready to go I think they had two halftime. game plans. I think they were prepared to either run the one high or run the two high. And the reason why I believe that is because, like you said, how quickly they were able to implement it and be prepared for it. But they also played them a few weeks back, and they yeah. understood that Kansas City will go underneath if you constantly throw too high. And KC Smart. Mm-hmm. Similar to what Tampa Bay did in the playoffs, especially against Kansas City, which helped them win the Super Bowl, they didn't show all their cards in that first game. They played, they put out some mm-hmm. stuff, and they played as if, you know, eh, we win, we lose, whatevs, we'll still make the playoffs, we'll be prepared, and we'll guide through. Our goal is to potentially get the number one seed, but it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati played with more urgency. They played with the, we ain't, hey, we ain't never been here. We don't care. We're not even thinking about it. We're just playing a football game. We beat them once, we could beat them again. And it right. seems like they took that right. first game plan that they played before with and had it prepared. It's like, hey, they've played us already. They have film. They know what we're going to do. Let's be prepared. If there's anybody I'm most impressed with, it's not even at Kansas City. It's not even at that, that Cincinnati defense. Everybody is raving about them. I totally agree. They're fantastic. You want to know who pressed me? The, the, the Cincinnati dude? offensive line. Dude, Joe Burrow got sacked nine <laughs> times against Tennessee. Nine times. Mm-hmm. He got sacked yeah. once in this game. How did the Chiefs not get in there and get yeah. him? That's what. That's the game plan. Hit that dude in his mouth. If you take Joe Burrow out every play, that's the thing about young quarterbacks. That's the one thing I try to tell people about them. They will hold the ball too long. You're guaranteed that he's going to hold the ball mm-hmm. too long. Joey did not hold the ball mm. too long. And because Joey did not hold the ball too long, guess what happened? These boys <laughs> went out there, boom, goes the dynamite, and um, was, 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 was eating that Chiefs defense. And on the run game, Joe Mixon and uh, Samaje Piran, even though Samaje didn't run it, he caught a pass, that was a touchdown. They were out there causing wrecking havoc. Yeah. But that's the thing. They didn't force Joe to hold the ball long. And that, to me, was really a big difference maker. Mm. I agree. I didn't even thought about that. But, I mean, I knew – like, I just knew intuitively that he had been sacked. I mean, obviously, <laughs> you can tell if somebody gets sacked less than right. nine times in a game. But I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that as far as giving props to the offensive line. He held up. And that's, yeah, so that's a really good point. I hadn't heard anybody, anybody say that yet. Too. That's good. Think about this, too, with that. Joe Burrow has been sacked 51 times this season, number one in the league. I think the second person behind mm. him was 36. So basically, he's been the, mm. he's the only one getting abused. Now, I have to go confirm that number. I know he got sacked 51 times. I couldn't remember uh-huh. who was second. But, yeah. yeah. Well, 
you know what? Cincinnati was willing to live with that, though, and here's the reason why. I remember before this past draft, and we normally do our mock draft of the first 10 picks, I had them taking uh, an offensive lineman. I think I had them yeah. taking Panay Sewell, who I think was the the best yep. you know offensive lineman in the game. Instead, obviously, they get his old teammate, Jamar Chase. So you're thinking, you know, the conventional wisdom is you got your quarterback now, protect him. But I guess to them, outside of that relationship that he already had with Jamar Chase, and obviously Jamar Chase's phenomenal talent, it kind of changes that perspective in the sense of is can a receiver protect a quarterback more? I mean, it sounds crazy to say that, and I don't mean yeah. it literally, I guess, but can a wide receiver protect a quarterback more than people think? Like yeah, I know can, exactly what you mean, because you what you're basically saying is, is that when the quarterback hikes the ball, he's got two seconds, he can throw it to that wide receiver because they're going to be open every time. They're going to be able to catch that pass. Right, Those quick right. slants. Tyreek Hill, to me, has always helped Patrick Mahomes. They've helped each other. He, it's helped Tyreek Hill become a better mm-hmm. route runner and catcher in, um, in stride, as well as being smarter about having a higher IQ, being able to recover and ret- like come back when he sees the quarterbacks in trouble, knowing his quarterbacks can get it to him. And it also made Patrick Mahomes smarter because he's mm-hmm. able to quickly dissect the way the defense is. If he knows they're, they're coming at him that fast, he knows his receiver is going to be there. Joey, I could totally see the same thing with him and Jamar Chase. So I get exactly what you're saying. I was off to um, mm-hmm. 36 isn't second. That's with the uh, rookie quarterback, jo- uh, Justin Fields. He has 36 sacks this season, so he's getting his butt kicked. But right behind him is Ryan Tannehill at 47 and then Zach Wilson at 44. But Joey Burrow lit the league with 51 sacks. He was getting tossed around yeah. all season long. Mm-hmm. Period. Now, in Cincinnati, they, they they have to address that because he's coming off of that knee catastrophic knee injury. He came back from that and has just been played at an MVP level. Is now in the Super Bowl. They cannot think that, okay, this is, this is our guy. This is Joey B. You cannot continue to put him behind in offensive line. I mean, granted, they only gave up one sack in this game, but you can never, I don't think you'll never have too many good offensive linemen and too many good defensive linemen that you can continue to rotate throughout the game or throughout the season. So they've got to get him more help. I mean, your skill position players on the Cincinnati Bengals team, you get an A, you're perfectly fine. Now make sure you get more linemen in place in order to protect the future of your friend. 15 years, he could still be your quarterback and could deliver one to two to three championships. He's that talented, and he is that great in the biggest games of his life. So please, Cincinnati, Paul Brown, I know you're frugal. I know you don't like to you, know, you don't like to spend money, but Brown family, please take care of this man. You didn't last season. You got him a phenomenal talent, but now please get him these offensive Totally lines. agree on that. So we'll see what yeah. Super Bowl looks like. We'll talk about that probably in a week. Talk more details and figure out uh, who we think is going to win and all that jazz, and we'll give you guys our full analysis yeah. on that. All the nerd, all the nerd, yeah, all the nerd stuff, matchups, game plans, yep. stats, score predictions. All that stuff. We'll have all that coming to y'all next week. <laughs> Before we jump to the last part of the show, um, here's an interview with my guy uh, Shant from uh, BB Fifty Five Ratings, the application where you can make picks to games and if you're good enough at it and become rated you can start selling them on the application uh details will be on there with my contest so follow along listen to my guy shant and he will tell you everything that is going down all right everybody appreciate y'all joining us as usual here on unfair sports where we take a pensive approach to the sports conversation i got a special guest on here with the revolutionary app in a contest that we're going to talk you guys through uh my man sean from db rating b55 ratings 
as the name of the application. Uh, Sean, let them know what you do. Tell them about the app. Let's get this bad boy started. Yeah, gone. I'm liking the music, it has a beat to it. <laughs> I, uh, I like <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, great to meet you know, your audience. Um, you know, and talk a little bit about this app. So, um, this app is a we believe it is revolutionary because there's nothing like it on the market right, right now. And essentially, how this app came to be was three years ago or so. I started looking at different sports betting handicappers mm -hmm. because sports betting was becoming legal. And I was noticing that people were posting these uh, win-loss records that just didn't seem believable. You know, it was it was just like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how much you sports bet, Jay. Do you sports a bet a lot? Or? A lot. I am a degenerate. That is what me and Jimmy do, um, especially coming up here in March Madness. When the NCAA tournament starts, we go buck wild. That's what we do. We 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 uh we have a fun time. We watch the games throughout the year. We don't really talk much about them until really closer to the tournament, and that's we'll be in Vegas for the first weekend traditionally, and we'll start getting our bets and stuff in there as well. So yeah, we we be on it. Hey, so you know how hard oh my it God. is to be. Oh my God. Vegas's goal is to get about fifty four is what fifty six point five percent is what they go for. That's a winning. Why do you think? Why do you think we're named EB fifty five? Best bet fifty five percent represents how much you need to win in order to really make a yeah, profit. That's true. That is very true. Yeah, and these Vegas these odds makers are very good at what they do. So um, that's why it didn't seem very believable to me that how much they were uh, these handicappers and people who were claiming how good they are in sports betting. Uh, you know, didn't seem believable to me. So I try to see, is there any system out there that would basically fix that problem and kind of prove out who's really good at sports betting versus who's sports betting? And there wasn't anything out there on the market. So I was like, you know what? Let me just try to make one and develop one. So me and my partner, we actually took three years to try to develop a system that would uh, basically evaluates someone's sports betting skills okay. in a standardized format, meaning that me and you could be sport, you know, uh, betting the NBA and I, it'll be apples to apples. So I'll know like, okay, your, your, you know, skill set is a, like at the 68% level, right. whereas mine is at a 25% level. And you know, like for a fact that this is an actual credible rating because we're an independent source, right? We're, this app is very independent. You put your picks in and we make it a very simplistic way to place your picks. Okay. And then we'll basically rate you. And uh, and in and in terms of we'll give you a rating. And if you rate very well, we allow you to become either a league specialist, meaning you can become an NBA specialist, NFL specialist, and we have a variety of different leagues, including college basketball. And if you receive that level, we'll automatically turn your picks on for being for sale. Per so you can make money on this. Oh, snap. Yeah. Opportunity to make some money here. All yeah. right. There's really no downside. I also, like, it's only upside. Like, the only way you lose money on this app is if you buy someone else's pick. Mm -hmm. So as a sports fan, 
a risk in actually making your picks. These are real life updated picks from Vegas. Um, you make your picks, and you know when you're watching the Knicks game, you'll have something on the line. You'll have your ratings on the line. So it doesn't necessarily have to be money. So hopefully we can bring in the casual sports fans. Yeah. We can bring in your audience, right? Who And hopefully we can also prevent some really bad decisions and yeah. bad outcomes in terms of, you know, people losing their money, you know, because I do believe that sport betting, while it's very, very enjoyable, is also prone to addiction. So, you know, we're hoping to actually just, you know, playing this app in a non-monetary way um, can, you know, A, improve your strategy. Maybe you've developed a system that you see, oh, shit, this is working well for me. Maybe I can dip my toes in sports betting. Right. Or it could be like, God, I am terrible at this. But <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You learn quick. If you do, yeah, and if you do get an urge to sports bet, at least you get it from somebody, you know, you get picks from somebody who you've known has proven themselves yeah it's a good point so i mean does this all i know this is a concept that's like kind of new so is it makes all it makes sense to you jay or oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah i've i've seen it before there's the professional gamblers out there in vegas handicappers or whatnot and a lot of them do sell picks they they find ways to sell picks you can send them a dm cash app there's all kinds of random ways to do it some of them you sign up on their site you put a credit card in etc but like you said the hardest thing to do is to validate the picks they gave you over weeks over week are cons- are you know actual winners or they they they've proven to be and so having an application that shows that's pretty dope so with that we're looking. We're gonna do a starter contest. You know why not? Yeah. Why not unfair sports do something Let's with sports do betting? Let's do something with Vegas. Make the magic happen. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna make a pick daily. So the question to ask yourself: Can you outpick me? So every week I'm gonna make picks. Pick one game every day. At the end of the week, we'll look at my record. We'll look at your record. Those with the highest, the the person that can beat me. Weekly prize will be sent out. We'll be sending out some swag, all kinds of different stuff from hoodies to T-shirts, all of that. You'll get a link from us letting you know where to uh, uh, redeem your prize. And then from there, the winner at the end, it's going to start from February 1st all the way through the end of the NCAA tournament. The person with the highest win percentage at the end gets a big prize. I'm not going to tell you what it is. We'll keep that a secret, but it's going to be a dope prize. So be what, excited about what, it. What is your username? So you can find me. You're gonna you're gonna follow me on there. It's gonna be at S M I Z N I T H. Same as my Twitter handle, Instagram, all of that. So look for me on there. I you'll see the graphic up here as well, and you can go to our um, our Twitter account at Unfair Sports and uh, social media. You'll see it as well as on Instagram. Check it out, and I will. I'll have my pick on there on the application and i also have a video on how you can follow me so check that out on the uh the twitter account so shot my man you got anything else you want to share about the contest because i know you've got a few of them going what else you want to to see from the people well i, I mean look i i i want to i want to stress that college basketball i believe has the biggest chance of making people money yeah yeah, and the reason why I say this is because college basketball, there's so many rinky-dink schools, not rinky-dink, smaller schools, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, there's, like, 
when you look at the college games that are not like very watched, yep. You know, I'm not talking North Carolina. I'm talking like you know, one about small Marymount. You're talking about uh, Loyola Chicago when when they're not an attorney. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, St. Bonaventure. You're gonna have those schools, right? So the people that make these odds are not going to be as efficient trying to predict what the line is going to be. So if you really know your stuff in college basketball, and I know a lot of, you know, there are some people that are hardcore into college basketball, but right. most people just tournament. But I'm thinking like there's going to be people in your audience that maybe has like, they love college basketball, but they have no idea how good they are, right? They know it really well. And, now they can unlock a kind of a hidden skills that they didn't know they had, you know, or at yep. least just play for. And, 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 and I'm hoping we can get that. We can get that kind of engagement, you know, and really like, and I'd love to see how good you are. <laughs> right. so, I want to see how good the fans are. So the listeners, I want to see how good y'all are, you know? So you'll find the link to the flyer in my, in the description. I'll have one for Instagram. I also have one for Facebook and I'll have one for Twitter. So just click on the link in the description for the show, show you the flyer, all the details, how to get in this game. And like I said, weekly prize winners will be announced and there'll be a big prize at the end of the tourney. So uh, Sean, I appreciate you jumping on with, with us, my dude. Thanks a bunch. Yeah. yeah one more thing. Uh, the app, is available on only the iPhone or yep. Apple Store. So it's yep. BB55. But if you have an Android, uh, I'm sure you know somebody with an iPhone or an iPad or whatever. Borrow it from them. Start making picks. Definitely follow you. And I hope everyone just enjoys this contest. And it was great. Thank you for having me on, Jay. It was, it was great. Oh, yeah, man. Good to have you, man. I appreciate it. Yes, remember the app BB55 ratings. You'll see it in the App Store. Uh, so it's Apple exclusive right now, working on the others, right. but you got to get up and running before you can do other um, exactly. platforms. So, Sean, appreciate you jumping on with me, my man. You have a good one, all right? All right, thank you. Bye. All right, Jimmy, let's wrap this bad boy up. Put a bow on it. A little bit of an extended show, but... um, Woo. Jimmy. Retirement. It's the end of an era. We lost Sean Payton. Yep. We lost Ben Roethlisberger. Thank you. Then we lost, and then not lost, basically canceled <laughs> the retirement party for Tom Brady as he has not actually made a decision. I kind of wanted to jump on each one and kind of get your thoughts on all three on when it comes to mm -hmm. retirement. Um, let's start with Sean Payton. Head coach, mm -hmm. been with the Saints since, what, 06? Got them mm -hmm. a Super Bowl with Drew Brees. Basically changed the trajectory of not only the franchise, but even the franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts on Sean Payton hanging it up as the Saints coach? That he's not hanging anything up. That this is just a one-year vacation in that he is going to be back. I think, you know, he, he loves football so much. And he knows that it's almost like Sean Payton is one of the best coaches in football that nobody really talks about as being one of the best coaches in football. Because, you know, we know Belichick. You know, huh? I got to disagree with I, you there. I, I, don't hear, yeah, I, I don't hear a lot of people bring his name. I think they should, but I don't hear a lot of people bringing his name up when you start talking about your Belichick's or your Andy Reid's. It's almost like they forget about Sean Payton because, in a sense, it has been a while since he's been back to the NFC Championship 
or the Super Bowl. But we, but if you know football, you know that he's one of the best coaches in the game. So I think that with that I running mean, through his veins, what? I, I was going to say, no, no, go ahead, continue. So I think that he's going to get bored after a while. He's going to miss the game. And he's now going to be in a position to get with a franchise that's in a better position to be successful. I think he looked at this past season um, intimately with the Saints as far as their quarterback situation, as far as what happened with Michael Thomas. And, you know, yes, they still have some really good players. And I think whoever takes over as a Saints coach can be successful and get them back into the playoffs. But I think that he understood. I think he got stressed out. Um, he went through probably a lot more this season than he had before. I mean, life without Drew Brees can be like that. Yeah. But I think he wants to take a year off, then come back, see what the coaching situation looks like. A lot of people already had him in Dallas replacing Mike McCarthy. It doesn't look like that's going to happen, Me? at least for this season. Yeah, at least for this season. Put that on hold. But I definitely think that he's he's young enough to where he's got a lot of football left in him to coach when you have coaches like Belichick and like Carroll coaching into their 70s. I'm not quite sure how old Peyton is. I'm going to guess late 50s, early 60s, but more likely late 50s. He's got a lot of coaching left in him. So I think that eventually he will be back. So this isn't a goodbye. This is more of a see you soon. See you soon. I get you with mm. that. Um, he's a great offensive mind. We can mm. totally say that. I, he's a, he did a fantastic job with helping with like the, with the Katrina efforts. He's been known for all of that. He, he spent what what's that? 15 years with mm -hmm. the saints, yeah. mm -hmm. technically 14 because we love to brush underneath the rug. The one thing that he did that oh, yeah. is quite <laughs> an issue in my personal opinion in all of this is that he had a pay a bounty program to injure other teams, quarterbacks and players that they were paying them. Greg Williams mm. was supposedly the spearheader of it. Sean Payton knew all about it. That was concerning to me. Mm. And that's something that you can't just forget about. You can't pretend like that didn't happen. That's one problem we have in the league is that the game is so violent. It's getting more violent that players are getting hurt all the time. Critical players. We lost Derrick Henry this year. We thought that dude was immovable. We thought it was impossible to injure that guy. We lost him this year for a good portion of the season. And when you go out there and you purposely try to injure people, I think that's just disgusting. Like, players usually, you can tell they, they empathize with each other. If they hit somebody and they hurt them, they feel bad. You can see it with them. Putting mm -hmm. together a bounty system where you pay people to go after people's heads, it's no point on my eyes. So mm -hmm. he had a great career. He is a great offensive mind. I'm not gonna give you not gonna take that away from him, but that's that scenario still has a massive stain to me on his entire resume. Just like the next guy. That. Just like uh -huh. the next guy we're gonna talk I, I, about. I never knew that that bothered you. Oh man, that bothers the hell out of me. I mean, and it was, it was egregious. He did his time for it in the sense he, of being suspended for that season, but I never knew that. In a sense that, because I, in a way, I kind of almost forgot that that had happened. I mean, prim primarily because it has been, I mean, it's been a long time, because that was the Brett Favre game. So that was what? That was at least a decade ago, wasn't it? Maybe longer? Yep. He was suspended the 2012 season. Yeah. So it was a so, decade I mean, ago. That, 
So that that's interesting because that would take things in more of a more of a moral direction, which we don't do a lot of. But no, that, I, I try I try to keep that out of the show. You know, I, we talked about it on the show numerous times for those that right. listen on a regular basis. We try to keep a lot of that stuff out. We try to just focus on the game and keep this as an outlet. But but there's certain things that bother me that I can't. There's, there's certain moments that we know we can't, yeah. and there's certain things that's that fair. push me. Like we'll talk about the next one that that also gives me that. But yeah. it's it's the um, it's just the blatant disregard for that scenario that a lot of people are doing. Um, it's it's just, there's no place for it in this game, especially if you want it to be long-term and sustainable. Mm-hmm. We start dealing with a lot more head injuries and all that stuff, man. Y'all can say that it's, it's, it's weakening the game or making it more soft. No, we're trying to save lives. We're trying to get people to be able to be uh, able to shake your hand when they turn 50 instead of dying mm-hmm. at 45. Um, mm-hmm. Or being crippled at 55. You know, we've seen players walk around looking just beat up and hurt because they played the game so long. Yes, they may have made that choice, but they did that for our entertainment. So we should show at least a little bit of appreciation towards them. You know what I'm saying? Just try yeah. to keep it there. And then you got your boy, um, Big Ben Roethlisberger, who's now retired. Quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers. <sighs> From uh, Miami, Ohio, no one uh, really looked at him coming in, if you really think about it, which is kind of intriguing that he was kind of overlooked the way he was um, in college. But he ended up, you know, getting drafted, you know, 11th pick in the first round. Someone saw it. 6'5", 240. He was your big quarterback that didn't like going down. Like at all. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like he idolized John Elway. You can kind of tell by the way he played. Kind of made mm-hmm. you think about John Elway. So what was your thoughts on Big Ben and his retirement now? Oh, finally. Happily, graciously, I'm glad that I don't have to watch him further devolve into a shell of himself. Uh, like yeah. a lot of people, I don't think this is a hot take when they said it. A lot of people said that he should have retired two years ago. Um, and I, I can agree with that because just the quarterback play, it was painful to watch him just sort of, stumble around the pocket the way that he did in the sense of, I mean, he's never really, he's never been a mobile quarterback. That wasn't his brand. His brand was being able to throw the ball 50 yards with two guys hanging off of him. And when that was no longer possible and when it just looked like he couldn't take this team where they needed to go because the team is always talented. That's just how Pittsburgh is on both sides of the ball, really. It became painful to watch. So I'm glad that the pain is over. Um, I'm glad that we we don't have to see this any longer and it excites me for the next chapter of Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers and what direction they're actually going to go in with the quarterback um but connecting Roethlisberger to what we were just talking about with Sean Payton because this came up as well um after his last game and you know what I'm getting ready to say when yeah you know when he made his retirement um public announced that Roethlisberger too has some, and I would say, I mean, I don't know if this is on par with Bounty Gate, but in the sense of earlier in his career, having had several rape allegations mm-hmm. towards him um, that worked itself out the way that it did, for better or worse, um, that I actually did think about whenever it was finally announced that Ben Roethlisberger was going to retire. I didn't necessarily think about it each time I watched him play, but that did come up as well. So I don't know if kind of with the Sean Payton thing, if when you thought of Ben Roethlisberger or when you thought of his retirement, if that came up as well as far as what he may or may not have done? 
you know, I, I think about a little bit of his arrogance that goes behind a lot of that, too, whenever I think about Ben Roethlisberger and the way he kind of acted with it and just uh-huh. the way that he acts overall. Like, the one thing about if you read any column about him and the things that people point out about him is that he doesn't take blame for anything. Nothing's his fault. It's it's He finds a way to point it, the finger at just about everybody else around him. And that that's bothersome as a player uh, that you would think. And then, of course, his off-the-field the incidents, you know, as a – as a, you know, pseudo celebrity, don't really call them role models to me. I'm, I'm kind of in the camp of Charles Barkley. Uh, you should be a role model to your children more so than the players, even though some kids don't have a role model to truly look up to, like a parent to look up to. We get that. Um, but at the same time, they're human. They're going to do stuff. They're going to do stupid stuff. They're going to do smart stuff. But these kind of scenarios, these are, these are just, you've got way too much money and power to do those things is get you're getting alleged for. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. not to be all morally compass on all of this as well, but I do mm-hmm. believe that in this scenario, it, it reminds me, Bomani Jones said this on uh, back on the record with Bob Costas, uh, the, the episode that aired here in January. Basically, he made an argument of why Kurt Schilling should be a Hall of Famer. And he said that bad people are sometimes good at stuff. Or even great at stuff. Mm-hmm. Kerr Schilling getting into the hall was one of his arguments is that he should be. Kind of scenario with like Big Ben. You kind of just, and Sean Payton. You can go out and praise all the stuff that they did as coaches and players and the way that they impacted the game and everything. I mean, Ben was, you know, tall tower, taking hits. He was just, made you feel manly and stuff for some people. At the same mm-hmm. time, you could still um, have empathy for those that were impacted by the other things that they did. Um, and the women that he that that was in his scenarios, you know, allegations as we would continue to call them, um, mm. that is something that we have to make sure that we remember, and we'll see what Ben turns to for his career. We'll see what Sean Payton becomes like. I mean, Sean's probably going to spend time with his family, like you said, for a year. Mike McCarthy gets fired unless he wins a Super Bowl. Actually, he wins a Super Bowl. He probably still gets fired right afterwards because that's just Jerry, what Jerry Jones does. <laughs> then he goes out and hires Sean Payton, and then they try to rile off another three or four more because that offense would be potent with Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. So there is there is opportunity for reclamation and redemption for what you do, and you know, for your transgressions or whatnot. And I have no issue with that itself. Glad to see Ben's retired. He's gone now. He should, like I say, should have retired a couple years ago. I'm almost in that boat with Cam Newton. I love what Cam Newton can bring, but him and Ben have one problem, one thing alike. They like to run up, run into people, and they like to take hits, and that makes yep. you fall apart as quarterback because a lot of times you are really defenseless. So let's wrap it up, put a bow on it, on the unretirement and retirement of our boy Tom Brady. So we saw – the news flash from Jeff Darlington as well as uh, Adam Schefter that mm-hmm. Tom Brady was going to announce his retirement. Didn't take very long for Tom Brady to call general manager of the Buccaneers and let him know, hey, I ain't made no choice yet. So FYI, I don't know where that report came from. And then everybody's going to retract their statements and say, well, you know, based upon the sources, they said it. And so it looks like those sources were wrong. So now... It's funny because in my class right now, we're learning about good sources and great sources and how to confirm your sources properly and everything. This was mm-hmm. a scenario that wasn't very good. <laughs> and they should have they sourced better. So with that, Jimmy, 
You think the goat's gonna retire? <laughs> um, I'm gonna say yes. Ooh. I'm, I'm gonna say he he is still going to retire. Uh, you know, part of what the word is is that it would behoove him to retire after this Friday because he would be due a, I believe, a $15 million roster bonus, something that was, which, I mean, who the guy who has $300 million, how, obviously $15 million more can make you feel a little bit better, but he doesn't need it, so we'll see. But, yeah, I think he does retire. I think it's going to maybe be a lot longer before the announcement comes out. Maybe he's going to do some things differently because I don't think it was ever meant for Darlington or Schefter to break this. It would be hilarious to me if he did decide to play another season and his report was wrong. And this is me personally. This is kind of me. I'm maybe the least petty person walking the earth. Ooh. But for a second, I'm not going to be That's exactly true. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. That is exactly true. I, I am anti-pettiness to the death of me. But, yes, exactly. But for this one moment, I would actually love if he did come back and prove Adam Schefter wrong, because I don't know if you've been paying attention to Adam Schefter the last six or seven months, but and you would appreciate this. Journalistically, there have been two or three things that were sleazy journalism at best and journalistically unethical at worst, and is making me think a certain way about him. So it would, in a sense, be poetic justice if this report proved to be wrong and he's got to eat crow for the next eight months as we watch the GOAT come back. That's so outside of that, outside of that, I do think he retires. I think that, and I thought about this too. I said this to somebody last week. I said, at first, before the, these reports came out, I said, at first, I thought Tom Brady was going to come back because he watched Peyton Manning and John Elway, albeit in Broncos uniforms, go out literally on top with the Super Bowl victory. But then I thought, if he leaves after this season, he leaves in a season where he threw for over 5,300 yards and over 40 touchdowns, which statistically is one of the greatest seasons a quarterback has ever had. So in a sense, that is going out on top. I mean, he's, going, he's not going out. With, he's still going out with his arm, unlike Peyton Manning. And John Elway, I'm not exactly sure what kind of condition his body was in or how much of his God-given talent he was still able to display given his age and his career. Mm -hmm. But I think that in a way, Brady is going out on top. I mean, it's kind of like the the Kobe game where he yeah. went out with yeah, 60 points. Nobody's final game. Nobody's going out with 60 points in their final game. No, so no, I think no, no, it's no. The Yeah, you're right. It was no. 60. My bad. Not 81. It was 60. Yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're, nobody's going out Kobe, like that. If Tom Brady, the GOAT, leaves now, no quarterback is leaving with 5,300 yards and 40-plus touchdowns. So, in a sense, he is going out on top, even though he didn't go out with a Super Bowl victory. But, yeah, I think for family reasons, for business reasons, it's going to hurt him. He's probably being pushed into this more than he's pushing himself because he knows he's still a great quarterback and he still has a Tampa Bay team that can win a Super Bowl. But I think this has been coming for the last couple of seasons. And I think that, unfortunately, he is going to retire as much as I want him to stay. You? So I don't think he retires. Um, Greg uh, Allman, who is, covers the Bucks for The Athletic, uh, kind of – how can I say it? Kind of debunked the salary piece. Tom's going to get that money regardless if he retired really? today or not. That money's okay. his. It's, it's deferred money that he get that he did when he restructured his contract to help mm -hmm. with the salary cap last year. But there's a problem. If he retires, he has to pay the team $16 million back <laughs> because it's deferred money. This was deferred money from years. 
And yeah. in order for him to keep that money, he has to play next season because it had it's tied into next season's money too. If mm-hmm. he takes the money and retires and the Bucks decide to let him keep the money, the Bucks lose $16 million on their cap. So then they can't mm-hmm. sign some of the, the, ma- the major free agents that they currently have. So if he does retire, the Bucks are going to ask him for that money back because in order to compete and keep players, you kind of need that money. You need $16 million in cap space. You see what I'm saying? So Greg Allman yeah. kind of explained that in detail. And so it looks like Tom Brady was on Sirius XM tonight on the Let's Go podcast on uh, Mad Dog Radio. And he's kind of talking about he's going through the process and he's waiting and he's just trying to decide. I think the biggest thing for him is he's trying to decide that if 45 is important enough for him. He said he wants to play to 45. He'll be 45 this uh, this fall. He needs to make mm-hmm. the decision. Do I really want to do the 45 thing? And then at that point, once I retire at 45, only time I'm going to spend is to the kids. And I appreciate the one thing he said about that is that Everyone has sacrificed as much as possible for me to live out my dreams in my career. And so it's my time. Right. It's, it's, it's about my time and my turn to give that back. I believe mm-hmm. this is the last dream he's going to want to fulfill. He's going to play at 45. He's going to make sure that the Bucks have someone in the wings to play, if it's Kyle Trask or someone else. And then he's going to walk away in the sunset, potentially as a Super Bowl champion for 2023, uh, mm-hmm. 2022 season. Or he's just going to walk away after having a winning a Super Bowl and having one of the, the greatest statistical seasons in NFL history with an MVP, because he will win MVP this year. Uh, as much as we think Aaron Rodgers will, Tom's going to get it. Those numbers were stupid for a 44-year-old. They've got to find a way. to. That's a narrative. That's your narrative story right there. That's the perfect narrative story narrative. to give him MVP. He's not winning the MVP. He's 44 he years old. He put up those numbers. Joe Burrow has more He's of a narrative than he those numbers. Who? No one. No one's talking about that narrative. It's not. It's not just having the narrative. It's what narrative are people talking about? They're talking about Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow, even though they should be talking about Tom Brady. This retirement conversation just created the story that they needed to give him the MVP. That's it. It's already been decided. Matter no. of fact, isn't the NFL Honors Show this week? This weekend? So I guess we'll find out. We'll find isn't out. It, I it, think Tom yeah, walks away yeah. with it. So he deserves it, but I. I don't think so. I think that. It's it's funnier if Aaron Rodgers has to get up there and accept the reward after whatever that was in the divisional round against the 49ers. I would rather see that. That's Tom Brady's going to get up there and be his usual politician self. Funny and, guy. You know, it won't be anything that we could talk about on the show, but if A-Rod gets up there, we'll probably be able to talk about that, Because if, especially if he goes into one of those lunatic anti-vaccination rants, which would be <laughs> fantastic. Oh, my goodness. I want him up there. I could dig that. So. I want if you, yeah, how about Brady gives him the the award? How, oh. how would that work? How would that dynamic work? Brady would never do that because he's not a presenter. He's the presented. But I don't know. I'm just, I want to no, find a way to make it funnier. He's, done, he's doing well yeah. on social media. I think he can win on that. So, uh-huh. okay. Well. <laughs> Jimmy, we got anything on the editing room floor? Oh, let's see. What is on the editing room floor? Okay. Um, I, I know you heard about this. So you heard about Andrew Wiggins is going to be a starter in the All-Star game, even though there, and we could have talked about this, there are multiple players in the West who probably deserve to be there more than him. But do you know a big part of the reason how he got to be a starter? How he was voted in? Oh, well, yeah, in a sense, um, yes. But um, apparently there is this K-pop star named Bam Bam who encouraged all of their followers and listeners to vote for him. 
for the All-Star game. Um, this is according to Anthony Slater of The Athletic. I don't know why or if this guy's just a huge Warriors fan or knows Andrew Wiggins, but apparently that's a big part of the reason why he was able to, to do this. Um, so do you think that maybe this suggests that they need to change some things about how they do the voting or the fan voting for the All-Star game? Um, nah, I think we keep it the same. It's gonna be hard mm-hmm. to be able to manipulate and 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 re and do that again, because there's three still three components. It's the fan vote, it's like a media vote, and like coaches right. and something like that. So there's still stuff, but um, I think it's funny that a K-pop <laughs> group that he likes and they like did that for him. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. I mean, oh my God, over Luca, over Cat, over Book, who I want who I wanted in Book. Like this is this is hilarious. Like this, this is, is hilarious. I don't like these things, but they if they're funny and it's something that we could actually have talked about if we needed to, if we wanted to, then it's kind of interesting. But I think they need to change a little something about this process. Yeah, um, Gil just should have been in there though. But yeah, you know, whatever. We got yeah, it. another one who could have been in ahead of him. All right, so uh, the, Chicago, the Chicago Bears sign the uh, former defensive coordinator for the Colts, Matt Eberflus, as their new head coach. Um, let me see. He said he talked about building the offense around Justin Field and his strengths, blah, blah, blah. So I don't even think we asked the OSG about this. Do you think this was a good hire for them as far as going, getting a defensive coach as opposed to an offensive coach? Um, I get it. This is kind of like a Belichickian type deal. Get a defensive guy, have and 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 build a foundation around that quarterback to where the defense always cleans up any mistakes he could possibly make and then find yourself a good OC that's going to uh, work closely with him to make sure that he's able to be as successful as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I know that coaches, offensive or defensive, sometimes they put their imprint on the game, like literally. That's more so with offensive coaches, like offensive play callers like Kyle Shanahan. But I don't think I see a lot of defensive coaches calling the defensive plays um, when it comes to, you know, what's happening on the field. So that's that's curious. I wanted an offensive guy for them. I had my favorites. But I mean, we'll Belichick, Belichick's a right, right. defensive exactly. guy. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it could definitely work out. I mean, the Colts are, I think, a, a good team when Carson Wentz isn't wincing in interception pain. Uh, speaking of coaching hires, whatever that was, um, the New York Giants hired former offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills, Brian Dayball. And um, he will now be their next head coach after two two straight seasons of a top five offense, uh, getting the majority of the credit for reforming Josh Allen. Uh, mm-hmm. Dayball is going to be their next head coach. Um, bet all your money against the Bills next season. <laughs> Every team, uh-huh. after losing the offensive coordinator, the quarterback has a decline. Ryan Tannehill was a good example, even though, you know, Ryan Tannehill, he had a great season before, and in last season, he didn't look the same. Why? He lost his OC, who went to go be head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Put all your money against the Bills. They, they won't be the same next season. They'll, it'll take them a year to recover. They're going to have to find somebody offensively that's going to uh, really work jail perfectly with Josh Allen, where they're they're saying each, finish, finishing each other's sentences and all of that stuff. It's going to take a minute. So bet against the Bills. Uh, maybe. Um, I think it'd be smart for them to hire in-house. One of the things that I've seen is that they're looking at Ken Dorsey, former Miami Hurricanes quarterback. Quarterback. 49ers quarterback. 
Yeah. Um, who's the current uh, quarterbacks coach for the Buffalo Bills. So I think he's getting some buzz as far as being the next OC for Buffalo. So I think usually if you hire from within, you know, they'll keep the they'll at least keep the language the same, which is really important for quarterbacks. And maybe he'll take the principles of Brian Dayball's uh, system and adapt them to his his own as some sort of a hybrid. So, I mean, as far as going outside the organization and bringing somebody in with a completely different system, that could be problematic. But I think they have avenues to at least continue to be a top 10 offense. Maybe not top five, maybe. but at least top 10. I mean, I mean Josh Allen makes a lot of those that. plays on his own. Yeah. Tennessee did that. They hired internal, too. You still see what happened to yeah. Tannehill. <laughs> Tannehill's still going to Tannehill. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, we appreciate y'all joining us as usual here on Unfair Sports. If you're checking us out on the YouTube as well as wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. While you're there, like, subscribe, rate, review. Give us five stars. You don't think we deserve it? Meh. Let's go ahead and give us five anyway. Yep. So... For Mike, Bob, and Wendy, thank you so much for doing what you do best. For today, my host, host Jimmy. We'll have more stuff out you. there. Of course, check out the yep. channel if you like recruiting. We got all the big stuff going in on there. We'll be talking a lot of OU recruiting on there. The channel is starting to blow up. We've hit well over a thousand. We're at like twelve hundred now, and it's just growing. So we're gonna keep powering through with that. Some of these videos will be posted. We'll mainly keep a lot of this stuff on the podcast, and that way you can listen to us just chop it up and laugh and joke and all of that stuff. But hit us up on the unfair fan line four three zero nine zero one one nine zero six and let us know what you think. We want to hear from you. Give us your feedback and what you want to hear and what you don't want to hear. So with that, we will chop it up with y'all in a few days. Peace. Peace.